Hi, it's Mike Crawford of The Young Jerks. If you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing on anchor.fm slash The Young Jerks with a monthly contribution. It helps us expand our audience and invest in the program. We also appreciate all the ratings and reviews on iTunes and the other podcast apps out there. Thank you so much for supporting The Young Jerks. You are listening to the award-winning The Young Jerks with Mike Crawford. She was messaging me work to where I work for for our respirators. He's like, Dad, can you bring me home some respirators? And of course, you know, so so obviously they weren't supplying them to her. I had to I had to sneak them out of my shop to bring them to her. Stupid little mask. You figure this is a multi-million dollar company, I would think anyway. They're not giving their workers masks. She's begging me to steal masks from my shop. tonight mike crawford young jerks welcome to the show we got two awesome great guests i say great guests a lot but i really really mean it a lot and especially this time some uh just kind of crazy shows happening the last few weeks in general a lot of good content and then uh this last weekend lorna mcmurray story that we've been covering uh, it's a tough one. I know a lot of people are talking about it. We're still talking about it. We're playing the video of her stepdad. He's called in twice now on the show. We've gotten more updates, more information about the situation. Lorna McMurray uh, died in two, uh, 2022 uh, in January uh, after a shift at True Leaf. She's a West Springfield, Massachusetts resident. Uh, she, Holyoke, uh, True Leaf. She went to work and didn't make it home. Uh, we're really concerned with what we're finding out. Apparently, that wasn't the first ambulance ride that Lorna took from True Leaf to a medical facility. So we're finding out more information. We're going to bring up two great guests tonight. You saw we, we were promoting it. Uh, we're really happy they're here. We have two. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to like come up with words for the guests tonight. Cause it's got to like another notch up. It's like, all right, let's just tell you who they are. We got mass advisory board member. Uh, she's an attorney in Massachusetts. She was one of the folks that was behind the legalization of Massachusetts. I've known her probably a decade before that she's been uh, phenomenal for like 20 something, 20. I don't know how many years we're going to find out tonight. It's her first time on the show, which I'm wicked excited about. 
as you can tell. And we also have her friend uh, on the show. She is the owner of STEM Haverhill. Uh, she just had a, a huge invitational event called the Green Goddess Invitational Golf Tournament, raising a lot of money for a good cause. She's been fighting, fighting for cannabis up in Haverhill. There's a reason why they got a dispensary in downtown Haverhill. It's because of this guest. So we're going to bring up the two ladies right now. Number one, Kim Napoli. She's the attorney. She's the advisory board member. Welcome to the show. And let's also add Carolyn. Welcome to the show, Carolyn. Uh, Caroline Pino. Hey, thanks for Hi. having us. So much for having us, Mike. Thank you for being here. Yeah, great to share the stage with you again, Caroline, as always. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's such a pleasure. And um, I, I, love, I love doing this work with you. So, Likewise. And thanks for having me on the show as well, Mike. I've definitely watched many episodes, um, almost all, probably more than you thought. Um, and yeah, we have, we go back, we go way back. God, I, I became a member of MassCan in like 2004, um, and have been going to the Freedom Rally since 2000 or since 95, actually, um, when I was a freshman in high school. And it's so funny. Cause when you said, what has she been in this for like 20 years? I've been known her. And I'm like, how old am I now? <laughs> Same with um, me. I, <laughs> I just look back. I can't believe how long both of us have been. Yeah. around like you say nine like that was me in the 90s first going and then right early 2000 i think it was either 99 or 2000 was the first mass can meeting i went to and they were like we need people <laughs> you're on <laughs> yeah. the board like that was how quick it happened it was just like yeah yeah, yeah. you did some great work um you did too the the, the rally hemp fest we got into it Caroline, Mike, and I got into a pretty big debate about whether it was called the Hemp Fest or the Freedom Rally. And I, coming from, I'm from, I'm from Merrimack Valley, um, grew up in Andover, and definitely knew it as hell, hell yeah, right? Um, yes. I definitely knew it as uh, the Hemp Fest, as we called it. And and I didn't know that it was called anything else until I talked to Mike, and it was just so hilarious that that was like. No, I'm laughing now because I'm like you were so right. Because <laughs> like I grew up, and it was right. the Hempfest too. And I'm defending the attorneys who were telling me, "You got to call it this. You got to call yeah. it this." That's Seattle. And it's like we'll later on, I was like, "Wait, I can actually tell an attorney he's wrong." Yeah. Like that, it's yeah. the Hempfest. Like that's what I said. We should change it. We should just change it to the Boston Hempfest. That was a yeah. That anyway. was another a different era. A different it era. Was. Yeah, we have about to be careful stupid then. stuff we would fight about. Right. Me, anyways. I would defend hey, I stupidity. I don't know how far we've come from that. There's still a lot of stupid fighting that goes on. <laughs> <laughs> but well, we're, yeah. we're yeah, we're here to talk about the good fighting. Let's uh, we we started off with Lorna McMurray tonight. Um, we just found out about the story. Uh, Kim, you're the one who kind of told you know gave us the heads up on this the situation. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, week and a half ago to, I mean, you, you ran with it. I, um, someone asked me if I'd heard about a death at true leave. And of course, like, it's like, no, you know, like, what do you mean? Um, so I just started Googling, you know, that's what any millennial does, right? <laughs> like hit the internet, start looking and, um, immediately, you know, her, her uh, obituary came up and then I looked on Facebook and saw her page that had been converted to a memorial site. And, you know, just connected the dots. And I asked you and I asked some others, like, have you heard about it? And you, you're the one who ran with it. Um, 
you know, as a mother, someone who, you know, has had a child um, close to death before um, and being unfortunately in the world where my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia for anyone who's watching um, when she was seven months old and she's uh, since, you know, been in remission and has recovered, but we did spend seven months in the hospital. We have been part of this pediatric cancer community and I've watched 28 kids pass away over the past two years. So um, just knowing what that's like and, and having even a tangential connection to it, seeing something like this is just heartbreaking. And I cannot, oh goodness, um, think about what it's like to lose your child, especially in a way like this. It, it's heartbreaking. Um, and it certainly raises more questions than there are answers as you put on the screen. Um, so I, you know, thanks for digging into it. I think everybody wants to know like what, what happened and truthfully, what, what can be learned out of this, how to have this not happen again, if possible, what can we do? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think for me and just being made aware of the situation also, um, recently, I think it makes me as an operator constantly turn the light on our own operations and how we are supporting workplace culture. Um, not only, you know, physical safety, but, um, mental well-being. Um, and so I think this has made me like, just pause and have that moment of, um, you know, why are we doing this? There's a multitude of reasons, um, but they can't be at the harm or expense of, um, of the people that support it day in and day out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some of the, um, things that we've actually been talking about terms of what can be done maybe or what could a baby possibly like we don't know all the facts again but possibly maybe it could have prevented it maybe if there was more cpr training on site um if she were you know if, if every employee had access to every sort of protection and max you know masking how do we make yeah. these things how do we make these changes happen how do we how do we make sure that they're you know yeah that's a good question. Um, and one I would love to take a stab at answering. Um, I think all of this kind of relates back to, or directly relates, relates back to like your, the culture that we have established in this industry and that culture that bleeds into the workforce and our individual um, places of employment. Obviously there's issues with employment just across, right, with workforce across the world. US is, is bad, there's other places that are worse, but like we in this cannabis industry, we have this opportunity to acknowledge what has transpired in other industries and change it for the better. And I, I feel like some some places have done that. There are places where people are satisfied and that's really great to see. Um, there are other entities that could do better. Um, you know, we have policies and procedures. We know it is very, very, um, it costs a lot of money to get into this industry. Folks are allocating those dollars, um, unfortunately, wherever they can to expedite their licensing process to get to the point of selling the cannabis, making the money to pay investors. So at some point, you know, corners may be cut that have significant consequences for others. Um, taking a step back and thinking about when I start this business, how do I do that so that I am empowering my workforce, that I'm creating a community um, that is a living and breathing thing, a culture that's a living and breathing thing that's doing right, um, that people wake up and they're happy to come to work and they want to be like, you know, part of our community. That's the kind of way I think that you really avoid this from happening. Now, obviously, bad things can happen. Unfortunate things can happen. It's, it's a reality. But 
if you put the emphasis on supporting people and truly live that, then I think you have uh, see these things happening less frequently. Caroline, yeah. do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think just also what I have observed just in my two plus years of operating a, you know, a singular entity, we're just one singular um, recreational shop right here in downtown Haverhill, um, is that, you know, we want to see our employees go off into their next venture. That means we've done our job. And I feel like setting that tone has been, um, you know, a learning curve that I've had to come to because there's at a certain point, like, we want we want to continue to want more for everyone that works here, um, but that doesn't always align with the perception. Um, you know, it doesn't always land that way with your employees, even though you're setting out with that intention. So, you know, it is difficult as an operator to set that culture, and I think it's a process that you know, as long as you're being honest and constantly, um, you know, re-examining the way that you're doing things and seeking advice from, you know, anyone and everyone you can outside of your own entity that knows more than you do. And, you know, I make, I have a, a huge network in the cannabis space that I rely on to, you know, help give guidance and advice when I feel stuck or um, concerned. And so I think if you're approaching your business with that mentality, um, that your intention, you know, is in the right place. And I think if you're not there yet, that that's okay. But um, to know that and try to make steps to, um, you know, opening that side of your business as well. Yeah, we're not we're not on the we're not playing the game Survivor here. I just made this this <laughs> I love the show Survivor and I just was thinking the other day how the cannabis industry is so much like it. Oh like that God. show like we're yeah. all like creating alliances and you Seriously. know like fighting and, and then scheming and strategizing and like hoping that to Who be the will final survive? person. Exactly. Who will survive? Like, That's the end. Like, right. Yeah. And it's like, but like, but why? And it's so like antithetical to what cannabis Absolutely. is and does like in the, you know, just how we use it in the real world before legalization. So that doesn't line up for me. I love what you said, Caroline, about reaching out and, and working with people and using beacons, people that you know, to, you know, to, be a strength that you might not have and learn from them. Like we shouldn't be so siloed. Um, you know, I've, I've found my strength in supporting people and being of assistance wherever I can, however I can, you know, being a voice. And um, so, you know, Caroline knows she can call me anytime. Yeah. Right. And Mike, I think, you know, we haven't spoken in years, but like you, this past couple of, you know, you can text me. Yeah. Like, We're talking all the time. Yeah, most people know that about me. I mean, that's, and I feel like we're, you know, not everyone is the same, but to the extent that we can kind of open up and like try to do this together as opposed to like it's adversarial and it's me versus you, I, that's not serving anybody. You know, it's not, it's just not helpful. Right. No. And I think, I think we should also be like including our community and our personnel, our family, like, you know, including them in this in the culture outside of just the single building that they're working in or the type of role that they're in and, and broadening the horizon to like what it means to be a part of the cannabis community as a whole um, and how that translates as an operator, especially one that's consumer facing in our case, you know, we, it's up to us and we have the obligation sometimes where people's first interaction with legal cannabis. And that's a huge responsibility that we don't take lightly and that we're excited about. Um, and so I think, you know, that's a, a real opportunity that we have as operators to include our employees and lift everyone up together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. And you're right, Caroline, you know, you mentioned 
listening to feedback from your employees, we're not always right, you know? I mean, and, and neither are they, like it's a relationship and you have to pivot and things happen that are not born of either party, um, but that you have to navigate together. And if you want to be successful, um, you know, that's something that you're going to make an effort to like engage and listen and try to find a resolve. Um, we're all learning. And I think if we stop, if we actively say like, you know what, today's I'm done, I'm not listening anymore. Like that's the day you start failing. That's the day you start dying. Absolutely. You know, you've got to be ready to learn something new, keep an open mind, change your perspective um, because you can learn, you know, we're always learning every day. I feel like my dad right now, like he would say that to me. <laughs> So let me, I want to ask about the, go back to kind of the workers' rights, you know, Lorna McMurray, um, in terms of like buttons to push, like the community, I, I could tell, like we've gotten so many comments, even like before I even had a chance to look up the OSHA report, people were sending it, sending it to me from listening to yeah. that last, like that doesn't always happen. Like they're doing the reporting for us. Like, um, so there's a lot of interest in this story. Should they be contacting the Cannabis Control Commission or the, you know, the legislators? Who, who's more likely to actually do something here for the workers in the cannabis industry? So I know that the commission has a constituent like hotline, right? Like the, it originated as the patient. So I've got a fruit fly in my office. My husband with all this fruit, like always leaving. Anyway, so um, there's a constituent hotline you can call. And right now it's kind of focused on either patients or consumers, but wouldn't it be great if the commission expanded it to workers also, right? And there there may be something like this, and I'm just, you know, if I'm misspeaking, then someone chime in and correct me. Um, but if there was some ability for workers to report things, because we've seen folks say stuff. Um, and as a, an employment law attorney, I've spoken with people who have said, well, this happened and this happened. And my question is, did you report it? You know, have you told anyone at the company? Have you told your manager? Um, did they do anything? And if you haven't, did you tell the MCAD? Did you tell the AG's office? You know, did you tell the cannabis? Have you followed OSHA. these steps? And yeah. usually it's like, no, I have. Well, OSHA is is definitely good, yeah. but OSHA doesn't provide a private right of action, which means that they can come in and they can find the um, operator, the employer for not creating a safe workplace. But the employee themselves has no recourse. They can't right. say, okay, this happened to me. Um, there's workers' compensation for that, but there's also, I mean, there's obviously civil suits, but there's other avenues that should be explored. And it's not simply about getting like remuneration or being made whole as an individual. It should also be about preventing this from happening again. That's what OSHA is supposed to do. Exactly. Um, but, but they haven't. I mean, right. it's funny because that they didn't do anything in the past. They, you know, and now it seems like they cracked down on this company after the fact about some, like, I don't even know, really, I got to like look into it more, but it just doesn't I, seem like they're on the ball. It seems like I, they're kind of behind it, you know? Yeah, I think part of it's just that, like the newness of the industry and them not knowing what their right or role is in actually managing it. Like they've got lawyers there with them too. And they've got staff who, I mean, these are people at the end of the day um, who probably would prefer to say no to more work. I mean, I, like, I hate to say it, but, you know, now that cannabis has been um, around, at least in Massachusetts and, you know, legally uh, for over, you know, multiple, go back to California um, forever, almost, at least as far as my life is concerned. 
um, it's getting to a point where it's, you can't ignore it anymore. Um, again, I think the focus should be on, obviously, I Lorna's family, you know, I would love for their for the facts of this to come out for them to get closure, you know, to understand what happened to their daughter, um, and for there to be some result for them. I would like for every worker to feel safe going to work. Nobody should be afraid or feel nervous. And, you know, there are cannabis um, cultivation processing manufacturing facilities have, you know, explosive materials, they have chemicals, there can be dangerous, um, just like any other facility that has things like that. So there is a responsibility to do more than just simply have policies and procedures in place. You actually have to train people. Um, people need to know how to stay safe at work. And again, that culture is very important in making sure that people feel safe there. Uh, we got a couple uh, Facebook comments that we're going to post. Uh, one from Karen Hawk. She writes, Carolyn Pinot, and then gives the green heart. <laughs> With a big exclamation point. I forgot that part. Yeah. Hi, Karen. Uh, yeah. And Barbara, a friend of the show. She's been on the show in the past. She's a uh, ex-worker at New England Treatment Access. She writes, yeah. thank you for reporting on this and shining a light on this. She's uh, quite a person, Barbara is. Thanks, Babs. And Donna Hackett, she's like our best caller now. <laughs> so if, if she, Donna, you have to call in tonight. You missed the last couple shows, Donna. Agreed, she writes. I don't know what you're agreeing on, though, Donna. Well, I'm going to agree I think she agrees with, your, with everything. Yeah, sorry. I agree with her profile picture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck cancer. It yeah. is Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month. I have to say that. Um, so, yeah, fuck cancer. Uh, more power to you in your journey. There's another comment. All right. Um, there are a lot of other things we want to talk about tonight, too. Um, one of the things is the golf tournament. This, yeah. Yeah. The Green <laughs> Goddess. Is that, did I get that right? Yeah, I did. Green, Green Goddess. Invitational. Tell us about this and what it was. It looked like awesome and banging. It looked like like really cool. Yeah. So actually, this upcoming Monday is the one-year anniversary where I came up with the idea for the Green Goddess Invitational. It's for Breast Cancer Awareness Month through the Greater Haverhill Chamber of Commerce. And it was an all-women's um, nine-in-wine event. And there's still time to get involved if you're interested in this um, through the Haverhill Chamber. Um, but we were had this amazing night, 40 women out raising awareness for breast cancer um, and coming together more importantly to support one another. And I left that event knowing that I wanted to do something similar in the cannabis space, which is largely male dominated. Um, and I wanted to create an event that was just for women to give them the opportunity to be their full authentic selves um, in a safe space, experience some joy, plot, plan, scheme, how we're going to take over the world and just, you know, have some creative sisterhood time. Um, so that was the, the initial idea. Um, we aligned with a local charity um, to support their mission. And what really culminated from the beginning um, transformed over the several months of us planning it. And um, what we actually pulled off on August 1 was incredible. Uh, it was 250 women in cannabis um, gathered together at the Renaissance Golf Course in Haverhill um, for a day. There was a nine-hole golf tournament led by a, um, a local LPGA tour um, 
professional who came and did an, an amazing workshop, Kathy McPherson. We had an all-star panel. Kim was on that panel um, along with Shaleen Title, Mitzi Keating, and Dr. Uma. Um, so that was a really educational, um, special evening together. We kind of culminated the evening with this. And throughout the day, there was just all these special moments, um, including, you know, kind of all the men that were there to support that day, a private um, discussion regarding restorative justice um, with Freeway Rick Ross, who um, joined the tournament at the last minute and came to support what we were um, all there doing that day. So yeah, I'd love to for Kim to share kind of what her experience was. But for me, it was just an opportunity to work alongside women to plan something for women and just see what we could do with it. And I think ultimately, um, what we've started to work on is is hopefully the beginning of a you know some nonprofit work together, creating our own nonprofit, um, and seeing if we could take this this on the road, this mission of um, yeah. women collaborating to create something really meaningful. Yep. Yeah. I I just I it was the greatest thing that I've ever been to. <laughs> like I just had so much. I walked into it not knowing what to expect. So just. By way of background, Caroline called me some point during the year and said, hey, and this was like the first, she called, cold called me out of the blue, like, hey, I got your number for Will, Will Luger, who I worked with on the campaign and has been working with Caroline. He's been super helpful for her a number of ways, but Will's a good guy. You're good with Will. You're good with me. Um, and she's like, I'm doing this, this tournament and was really kind of conceptualizing it still at this point and was like, do you want to? Um, sponsor, be involved or help, be on the panel. And I was like, I mean, yeah, sounds awesome. Like I just picked up what she was putting down and was down from the beginning and she put it together and I couldn't like conceptualize what it was going to be like. So walking into this event, I just like immediately my mind was blown. I got married at a golf course and this was better than that. Like, don't tell John. I don't think he's listening. Maybe he won't care, but um, it was... It was amazing. It was so well done. Um, just so I have so much love for you, Caroline, and like the ability to see something and put it together and execute it in the way that you did. You're a true visionary and you're badass. Like the things that you've been through these past couple of years, just trying to get to where you are now. And then you did that. Like, oh my God. I just, yeah, mad respect for you. Everyone who showed up that day was in the same mindset. And we all just, we just, I don't know, it, it was like uh, like a vision quest or something. Yeah. <laughs> like we all we all had like, we're like, oh, it just, it was so great. So I'm really looking forward to, as Caroline mentioned, we have been talking about forming a nonprofit to do these types of events um, further and broader and bigger and small and large and just different capacities, but really to have that, share that feeling to replicate that to the extent that we can catch that same lightning in a bottle again. Um, and I don't know if you mentioned, but men were invited. They, as long as they volunteered, like they could be there, um, yes. and volunteered and it was, um, they did, it was just such a great event. Highly recommend anyone who, um, who wants to be involved, like hit up Caroline or reach out to me. And as Shaleen says, the green goddess invitational was legendary. It truly right. was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gotta do that again. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's just, it's the beginning of, I think, where, you know, for me, the STEM brand is going and, and my social responsibility to continually educate myself and t continually sharing that education within our community um, regarding a disproportionately harmed community and how the cannabis industry truly does need to step up and fit into the fabric of 
restorative justice. Um, so this is our creative way of, um, of trying to do what we can towards that and knowing and recognizing always that there's so much more work to be done. So if that is something that speaks to you as an operator, I would encourage you to just reach out to us because the more the merrier and we're going to get in this together and work synergistically and positively as industry leaders, um, men and women, um, but um, specifically in this case to lift up women within the cannabis industry because um, women are amazing and they have really creative ideas and I think um, we can do really cool things together. So in the name of, of sisterhood, that's what we're gonna be gaming to do. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I love that Shaleen title is watching right now and, and commenting that's uh pretty cool yeah that uh, w one last thing about that event that i wanted to say that it really touched me in this way was speaking about um empowering women and lifting up the feminine women and you know other you know folks in similar discrete groups have kind of like assigned characteristics and assigned roles in this world and maybe we all do to a certain extent but women in particular it's one of the reasons for um, the laws changing around asking for previous pay when you go to an employer because women will typically and statistically at, at higher rates tell you um, a lower rate than men get paid because they're just used to that's what they get paid. So in order to stop women from undervaluing themselves um, unintentionally, they can't give that information unless there's been a conditional job offer made. So um, I, I liked this event because I felt as though upon arrival and throughout the experience, you kind of just like shed those expectations, those um, things that you have assigned to yourself or accepted as your, as who you are and as your role, like you were, I was at least, and I don't know if anyone else felt like this, but I felt like I could be anything um, and I could learn anything and I could talk, you know, it just felt like an opportunity um, was presented. And that is the kind of thing I think when you get to that Point, you're now able to start changing culture. You're now able to start learning and moving in directions you might not have um, been inclined to go in before. So that's the kind of thing I would love to work with Caroline. We've been working together to kind of talk about this and figure out how to how to implement it. But that's what I think, at least for me, that's what my goal is with this and you know broadly. Awesome. We also have another, uh, a bunch of other topics too that we want to talk about in the cannabis space. One of them, the biggest for us, and I know I think all of us, all of us tonight is expanding patient access. And I know that some of, some of us, not maybe not me as much, have been really working on this, Kim. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've... What, what are we going to do on how do we expand patient access? Because I care about this. I know a lot of other people do. You you actually have ideas. How are you, how are, what are they? Tell us. <laughs> I what got a lot of ideas. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, so we have now uh, we're coming up on the tenth anniversary of legalizing uh, medical marijuana in the state of Massachusetts. That was in 2012 November. I was one uh, uh, L in law school. I actually went to law school specifically to help legalize cannabis. So like when I got out and I was able to do that, that was like I I just did like I just did what I wanted to do. But I didn't, I mean, we advocated for uh, question two, um, or was it question three? It was three, right? Yeah, question three. Um, the crim was two, yes. Two is, two is the crim three, three was, two, yep. three, four, right. yeah. So yep. um, question three, definitely advocated for it, but I wasn't integral as far as like the, like I was with question four. Um, but I was very excited that we were supposed to have 35 dispensaries 
Um, we never got to 35 dispensaries. We got to maybe 11 or 12 or somewhere around there by the time legalization adult use rolled around. Um, and now there's like 98 retails. I mean, now there's a huge number. So that number, for whatever reason, obviously maybe the fees being lower on the adult use side made it easier. Um, the fact that you don't have to be vertically integrated on the adult use side made it easier for people to get into the market. Um, but that leaves this patient issue hanging in the balance. There's still a limited number of operators that are medical um, and that are medical only. There are more that are both. But um, once adult use comes in, you definitely see a downgrading in patient access. Um, now, the supply is somewhat compromised. Obviously, there's certain safeguards put in place to make sure that patients have access to cannabis. However, um, that access is limited to dispensary. So in other words, if you go to a hospital and you're ill and you say, how do I get my medical marijuana card? Your doctor is going to say, I, what? I mean, some might know, but most don't. There's um, this disconnect between the health care sector in Massachusetts and the um, regulated industry, which is, uh, I think, a little bit shameful, given that we have some of the leading healthcare care uh, institutions in the country, if not the world. Um, in my experience, when Shay got sick, uh, we were in the ICU at Children's Hospital. She was getting three blood transfusions, starting chemo that night after having come, come into the ER and being diagnosed with leukemia. Um, we asked, okay, so where do we get a medical card? Who do we talk to? And they said that the person who knew about that at the hospital, the one just left employment so that now, like, essentially, John and I are the most important people in the room, or most not important, but the most educated people in the room. Yeah. Right. And that was just like, really? <laughs> Still, this is 2020 at this point. And, you know, it's sad. It's it's not like, it's not as simple as, oh, we didn't get our license, our investors are pissed. It's someone's life who's hanging in the balance. It's their quality of life, maybe the last bit of life that they have that is hanging in the balance. And once it's gone, it's gone. So there's a really important reason to ensure that patients are getting access. I would love to see, and I know I'm talking a lot, I'm gonna let everyone else talk, I'm sorry. Um, I would love to see discounts be allowed for adult use on the adult use yes. side, specifically for patients. So if you can have a registered patient card in Massachusetts, you go to an adult use dispensary, you can get a 20% discount to save yourself the tax. Cause like, why not? And yeah. also on the same token, if you're a veteran, and you show your your active duty card or your military ID, you get a discount too. That, that increases access as well. And obviously, there's issues that the veterans face that are a little bit more um, complicated in terms of like not wanting to risk their VA benefits. Um, so there's more work that needs to be done on that side. However, as far as patient access goes, there's a lot of things that we could do. Um, coalition building with the healthcare institutions and at a minimum providing patient discounts at the uh, adult use dispensaries would be a great place to start. Why not? Right. Indeed. One of the uh, Facebook users just agreed. I mean, it's just makes sense. I have a medical card. There's so many adult use places around me that I don't want to shop in because I would have to pay tax. And My card doesn't. Yeah. It's just, it's why difficult not? From, it's there. difficult from like an operator's perspective to having, uh, you know, people in desperate places in their lives coming for safe cannabis to our dispensary and then getting frustrated with us that we don't have the ability to do anything for them. Um, right. And so like, that's hard. And then that translates to them that like, they don't like us. Um, and so it's like, I would love the opportunity to say, here's what we can do for you. Come on in. And we do that anyway. 
Um, and um, we do support a, a wide array of medical patients and, and some in the final stages of their life. And we don't take that lightly, um, you know, because they, they've come to us because we've made them feel safe and comfortable. Um, but I wish there is more that we could do. Um, and, you know, I sometimes feel like my hands are a little tied with that, but sounds like maybe we could just push a little harder and maybe do some more advocacy around that. Yeah, we're doing advocacy. We absolutely are. Would love to take some testimony from you and share it with the commission, Caroline. Mike, you too. Anyone? When, when is that happening? Like, when can people? It's ongoing. You, if you okay. want to send me testimony, you can email it to Kim Cannabis Advisory Board at gmail dot com. Um, well, I'm going to write that down. Board at gmail dot com. Yeah. Let's put that again. Say that again, Kim, for us. Kim, Kim Cannabis Advisory Board at gmail dot com. It's also on the commission's website. So if you go to the Cannabis Control Commission's website and look up like the Cannabis Advisory Board, you click on my name, it'll email me. So you can just email me directly from their, that website too. Um, but really, I mean, any feedback I think is great to have. So don't shy away if it's not related to patient access, that's okay too. Um, the way that this works is like oftentimes the squeaky wheel gets the grease, you know? And we, if people don't know there's a problem, then it's very difficult to advocate for that. Um, don't ever assume that somebody is out there advocating for what you know is right or what you believe to be right or understands your experience. You live your experience. That's your truth. If you need help with it, please ask. And I think um, we have it on there. Yeah. Is that right? Kim Cannabis Advisory Board at gmail.com. That's right. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Send your testimony. I know patients are listening that don't, you know, don't have the time or they're not active. They don't know what to do. Just send Kim your testimony as a patient that you would like to go to an adult use place with your medical card, or if you're a veteran and you can get a discount. I mean, this is common sense stuff. Yeah. Or, or other, you know, other issues. I mean, just, I think patients in my experience, I mean, my daughter, I'm a medical patient. I have been since 2014, but my daughter, when she was diagnosed was seven months old, she wasn't advocating for herself. I was the one doing that. So she couldn't, be, she wasn't in a position that I know plenty of other people who are in similar situations, folks who are either end stage or just the treatment is so awful. They cannot get up. They cannot write. They cannot. It's, we're talking about people who are in very, very uh, serious situations and need a voice for them. So please, if you know someone, if you're a caregiver, um, whether that is a traditional caregiver in terms of like, I'm a caregiver for my daughter or you're a cannabis caregiver, please reach out to me. I would love to talk um about you with ways to expand the caregiver program specifically relating to cannabis um, or to support caregivers as they're helping their their loved ones awesome uh this is the young jerks my name is mike crawford i'm with two great guests tonight kim napoli and caroline pino and we're also taking phone calls if anyone wants to call in tonight it's uh 978-560-3155 you have any questions or comments on anything that we're talking about tonight uh, you can definitely call in. Uh, we have some other topics too we want to talk about. Like number one, like we've been talking about workplace a lot. Workplace development is one. Uh, there's also some others I'm looking at over here. You know what I, one I want to get to is Shannon O'Brien. <laughs> can we talk about that? Because that's like everywhere right now. I guess we have to. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we talk about Shannon O'Brien, workplace development and... Uh, yeah, I, th I think those are like the next two we really need to to kind of touch on. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I 
I feel like, you know, unfortunately, the cannabis industry has such a spotlight shown on it. And in some ways, it's deserved. In other ways, it's not. This is one way where I think it it is deserved. You know, we need to have regulators and people paying attention to this industry and supporting this industry in the way that it needs to be supported and attended to. Um, If we have folks who are doing the appointing who are opposed to cannabis or who are making regulations who are opposed to cannabis, I mean, that feels like a problem. Like, why would you put someone on a nuclear, on the board of a nuclear power plant who hates nuclear power or who doesn't know anything about nuclear power? Like, it doesn't feel right. Um, That doesn't mean you can't learn about it, but, you know, it, it feels like there was an opportunity with five seats, you know, that, you know, you could have someone from the industry who knows about it. And they passed over folks who may have been qualified in that respect and chose someone who just happened to be the former treasurer. <laughs> like it's, it's a little like, really? That's okay. Um, I hope all that said, I hope they do well. You know, I hope that they hear whatever feedback is coming from this, that they address it and that they move forward in a way that is in the best interest of the industry, right? That they support operators, they support communities, they support patients, that they listen and that they do what needs to be done. That's all I care about. So she could be, she could have worked for whoever. I don't really care. I just want her and all the other commissioners. And I've spoken with a lot of them. I haven't gotten to meet Shannon yet. I I wish her the best of luck. I wish all of them the best of luck. But again, just really want them to do right by the industry, period. Amen to that. Uh, Caroline, do you have anything? I'll just say, you know, kind of to echo what Kim was saying, I think like I can only judge anything in this industry based on my own experience and like what I am privy to per se. I can't, you know, read people's minds or intuit other people's experiences if I haven't had, you know, been personally, um, you know, educated on them. And I think I kind of go into every relationship that way and every interaction that I personally have had with um, our state regulators has been not perfect, but like in in the tension in the right place, the intentionality in the right place. And I think um, that has been a cool thing to be a part of as an operator and, you know, someone who hopes to make an impact on a growing industry. I think it's important to work collaboratively with people that, you know, have the power to make changes. Um, and so I have appreciated, you know, opportunities to, to interact with the commission and, um, to learn from them and, you know, for them to also like, listen to feedback of mine. And, um, you know, I have felt like there have, there's been progress. So I, you know, want to shine light on the progress as well as much work to still be done. And, um, you know, let's dig in and all work together on it because we can do it. And we have enough smart people in this industry that passionately believe in cannabis, um, that we can really make an imprint. And you have, I mean, Thank both you. of you have, you've, you've both done so much for this uh, industry. I want to make sure it's abundantly clear to people too tonight, because you actually fought your city, Haverhill, who was, I'm going to say was gouging you and a lot of other applicants of the city of Haverhill, like a lot of cities and towns did. They were charging too much. They were charging more than what the law asked for what the law said, and you fought back. Um, you fought even to open against other folks in the town that wanted, you know, we don't even get into that. You've been fighting all the way. And recently the law changed 
the law changed. And I think a lot of it was because you were fighting, you were exposing it and showing how unfair it was. So both of you have done so much over the last couple of years. I would just want to make sure that people are very aware of that. Um, do you want to even mention, you know, comment on any of those? Sure. I mean, for me, it's like in order to be like an authentic human being and hopefully business um, operator, um, you know, cause it's, it's one in the same. It's like, this is a passion for me and my husband and we, we do it with all the best intent and know that we make mistakes. And, but from the beginning, we've established, um, that we were passionate about bringing cannabis to downtown Haverhill. And there was a lot of people that thought that that was too progressive and that Haverhill wasn't ready. And, you know, for all the aforementioned reasons of, you know, the stigma that still very much exists. Um, but the importance of fighting for patient access and consumer access. Um, why shouldn't it be right in the heart of Haverhill's downtown? There's a, a way to do it the proper way. So from the beginning, we started with that as our mission. We're one of the state's um, 120 or so economic empowerment applicants, um, which means that we you know, had a vested interest in our community, which has been disproportionately harmed by the war on cannabis um, and drugs. And therefore, like, we were elevated to hopes that we could make some systemic change in our community um, and make a lasting impact and provide opportunities for jobs um, and economic growth in this community. And we were committed to that from the beginning. So we established with our city, our municipality, that these 3% impact fees had to be reasonably related to our operation. Um, and that was acknowledged from the beginning. And when it didn't turn out that the city was providing us with the information that we needed and the transparency we needed to vet that these, um, you know, supposed impacts existed, that's when we kind of raised the red flag and said, um, you know, enough is enough. Community should be held accountable. And that's the bottom line. We are one of the most highly regulated businesses in the Commonwealth. And I think that there's a moral, personal, professional, ethical obligation on behalf of municipalities to also have to follow the law and follow the rules. Um, so we did fight for legislation. Our local legislators were amazing. I'd love to give a huge shout out to um, Senator Diana DeZoglio who's running for our state auditor seat um, this upcoming election. She has fought for, with us since day one for legislation reform and um, state rep Andy Vargas. Um, so thank you so much to them for standing by um, STEM as a, um, you know, a local operator in the cannabis industry um, and for fighting for this change. The night that all this legislation passed, Diana DeZoglio stayed up the entire night and drove straight to our golf tournament um, to celebrate, you know, women pushing the glass ceiling. Um, and so that was a really powerful moment as well. Um, so that's what I'll say about that. I think, you know, it's all in just being an authentic um, leader and trying to do the next right thing all the time. And even if that comes at the cost of having to sue your host community, um, I don't want to be in beef with my with my city. And I think for the most part, I'm not. I think the community really rallies behind us, which is um, has been really encouraging. Um, I just think people in power need to take the same accountability, responsibility, and have an ethical obligation to, to do the right thing. And in this case, um, I think the right thing is very clear. Awesome. Kimmy, you want to add here. anything? I would, just, I would just add about this 
well, I guess two things, but first the authenticity piece that um, a little authenticity goes a long way. You know, just just being who you are and listening to what people have to say and responding to what people have to say, not what you want them to do or not what you want them to hear, right? Like listening. And we're not all mediators or, you know, have that bone in us that, you know, enables listening, but there's something called active listening. Leaders are great active listeners. You know, um, you have to know when to speak and you have to know when to listen and understand what the person you're working with or talking to, um, where they're coming from and what they want. So for me, I think that the, the authenticity piece, making sure that you are being honest with yourself and honest with others allows them to be honest with themselves and be honest with you, right? It's encouraging. And that's part of building that culture of a workplace that is good or just a world that is really good that we can all kind of be our best selves in and see our kids grow up and be happy and have access and opportunities. It's not that cutthroat, me first, only me, you know, that that's not going to get us anywhere. So I see a lot of infighting in this industry, a lot of, um, you know, jabbing back and forth. And, you know, it, it pains me to see because I think back to when we were trying to legalize everybody just came together you know we we're all like this is what we have to do let's just do it i'll do my work you do yours and we're all doing it for the same reason and then at some point we all kind of fractured off and went into our own again those silos and it was like Coons, this is my yeah. angle and i'm fighting for this and you're wrong because i'm right you know and that's just how it is meanwhile people with all the money like let's i mean how much money yeah. does pfizer make you yeah. know how much did we spend on gas this past like spring and winter truly like honestly i mean that is the real crime here is that we are fighting over beans and pennies and these other entities are just running us into the ground, our entire environment with it, right? Like we only have one life, one world, and we're, we got to do something better. You know, <laughs> we got to figure out how to preserve it as best we can. That brings me to my point about social equity, mm -hmm. um, which is one of the topics we wanted to touch on. Yes. Caroline, you mentioned social equity. Um, I would love for us to, for folks in the cannabis industry specifically to kind of take a step back and think about social equity um, in terms of less like a buzzword. You know, I feel like now people say social equity and like hair stand up on the back of people's necks and it's like a content, point of contention, something for debate. And the reality is social equity is going to mean something different to me than it does to you, Caroline, and than it does to you, Mike, and, and to everyone else, right? Because we all have our own truths that we live we all come from different places and live different experiences so thinking about social equity from the cannabis industry from an operator standpoint how are you meeting the needs of the community that you're trying to service i think we're talking about the war on drugs the significant impacts that you see are related to housing education um health disparities that are so significant obviously generational wealth um these things that we could you know food insecurity these are things that we can begin to address at the inception and start to help people to really empower themselves, to economically advance themselves. Not everybody wants to work in the cannabis industry, you know? Not everybody wants to like take training to like learn how to grow plants or whatever. Like that, you know, that's great for some, but that's like kind of, you've skipped all these steps that are necessary to get people to a point where they can actually utilize that. They need a safe place to live. They need to be healthy. They need money. They need food. Like this is the way. So I would love for the cannabis industry. If you have a positive impact plan, you have to write. Think about ways to really impact social equity at, at its roots. 
and I, I guess that's a pun now. Yeah. But like <laughs> yeah. <at> STEM. <laughs> yeah. Um, start uh, there. Pay, like another one is uh, paying off these kids' student debt. Student loans, like the, exactly. Yeah. These kids are so. I look at them and I'm just. It's sad. It's instead uh, we gotta, of making. Sorry, oh, real sorry. quick. Instead no. of making donations to like you know nonprofits or whatever, that's not a bad thing to do. But like maybe if we're talking about workforce development and culture and economic advancement, maybe take some of that money and use it to pay off your people, your employee student loans, you know, like, <laughs> I think people would really like that. They'd respond I think well people to would that, love right? that. Like, right. You know, and that's, and you don't have to put it into positive impact plan. It doesn't have to be a policy. You can just do good things because they're, they're good to do, you know, cause you want to. Cause you're a and badass. I think, yeah. I, I think <laughs> this is tied also so much. And Kim, thank you so much for highlighting and redirecting like the positivity behind um, social equity. Um, and I think um, I would just echo, um, I would just echo Kim so much. And I think um, that we have an important opportunity to come together and collaborate with people um, in the industry to do really important things. Um, and so I have really appreciated Kim, your friendship and um, your accountability and, you know, your lens um, that has allowed me to like think about things in a different way and challenge me. So um, I, think, yeah. I think that's, that's the work of where we go. And I think that's through collaboration and um, positivity. So um, yeah, I just, I appreciate you having us on Mike and, and highlighting all of this um, and the work that we specifically um, as two women in the industry are trying to, um, to spark. Uh, and I think the feedback has been awesome. And we look forward to continuing that work together. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah. So we just got another comment too, from Shalene title who's watching. She wrote uh, so many companies face that situation. And Caroline Stem were the only ones bold enough to take a stand on behalf of all of them. That's true leadership. Really? It really is. Absolutely. And I think I mean, the fight, like the fight is like not about the money. It's about the principle behind the action. And um, I thank you, Shalene, for um, for saying that. It means a lot because um, I think it's all about, you know, the intention in which you do something. Um, and it might not always be understood um, by the people that you hope receive it. And that's okay sometimes when you're listening to your authentic voice. Um, and so so thank you for seeing that, Shalene. Thank you for seeing that, Kim. Yeah, it's it can be a real struggle. Um, you know, I was fired from Parallel last year. Uh, or was it last year? Yeah, last year. And um, there was a lot of talk about it. If anyone has any questions, you could read the Boston Globe article got the answers there or you can call my husband he loves talking about it um but that had people saying things about me that i knew weren't true i was in the hospital with shay at that point so i was literally she's receiving chemo at this time so i was not talking to anyone about it but um my credibility was called into question and that was hurtful to me because i know who i am i know what my intentions are and people who work with me and who know me also know that so to have other folks who don't know me or have only heard of me or seen me in a couple of respects um, latch onto a story or some narrative and spin it, um, that was hurtful and harmful. But at the same time, I knew like, okay, that's you do you. 
you can think that I, I'm still going to do good. I'm still going to go and do the work that I'm, I'm still here right now. Again, that game of survivor, right? Like I didn't let it take me out. Um, and people will try to, people will try to get in your way, distract you, um, say negative things about you or um, make negative comments. And you know, that it is what it is. You just have to stay on your path, be your authentic self and keep going and don't listen to the noise. Caroline, you want to say anything on that? Yeah, no, I just, I, I thank you, Kim. Thank you. And, um, it's, it's not always easy. Um, you know, my husband and I, like I said, we, we put everything that we have into this business and it's like not easy taking on a lot of these big, um, you know, like standing in our truth basically and whatever, at whatever cost that, that means. And, um, I think, I think I, that will, hopefully pay dividends in the future for our business and what we stand for. But I think more importantly, it's redirected us to why we got into this work in the first place. And that's to make a difference. Um, that's to hopefully leave the cannabis industry better than we found it. Um, that's to, you know, work with awesome people and uplift, um, you know, everyone that we come in contact with, whether that's our customers, our employees, people within the community and, um, and, and do our best to just keep doing our best. Yeah. Positive net gain, right? Like <laughs> we're not going to win them all, but hopefully we'll win most of it. Right. There were a couple more things that we we're, we we're looking to talk about. One was the workplace development, which I think we kind of mentioned, but I think we could flesh it out more. Yeah. I mean, work, that was me. My my topic of uh, workforce development, like what are we doing to? And Caroline, you did mention this in the beginning. I'll just circle back to it. But like, what are you? What are we doing to advance our employees and support them? Um, in the work that I do with the various operators, and I'm now consulting around the industry. Um, I'm and part of that was that's where that uh, idea about student loans, paying them off. Like, how are we supporting our workers so that? they can move beyond us you know like we don't own them <laughs> they're they're people and this is uh, the workforce relationship is a relationship like any other sometimes it's great you know and you got people that come and say and sometimes like you're not meant for each other and apologies if you hear my my insane dogs they're not insane but they're very sweet but they're barking um samuel l jackson napoli i'm looking at my dogs over yeah. here <laughs> um, so. well, i got a visitor and he's really good he's being so good Oh, good. Yeah. Like they should listen. They should learn from yours. Uh, but yeah, so um, learning or um, developing the workforce, creating a, a, a workplace culture that allows your employees to have a life beyond your place of employment. Um, understanding that sometimes it doesn't work out, creating a situation where it is really, you know, like a fertile ground where you can have good interactions and experiences and people like aren't afraid to come to work, aren't feeling bad, or where they have to report something, they don't feel discouraged from doing so. Um, I've had to report things in, you know, past in my life, and it's not always the most comfortable thing. Uh, I think it's important to focus on that from the get, from the start. And if you're not doing it and you're listening to the show, it's not too late. You know, it's not like, oh, well, we don't do that. It's too late. It's, it can't happen. It can. You just start doing it. You know, think about what you would like for your kids if you have them or your sister, your brother, you know, people that you care and love and, you know, want to have a good experience and then do that in your workforce. But I truly think that there's something to be said about 
creating a workforce where um, skills are transferable and you can take what you've learned and, you know, it's like you just move on to someplace else and that's good for them. You know, they're succeeding, they're moving up. Um, stop this like manifest destiny where we, I have to own everything and, and I'm the best. It's like, we can all be the best, you know, <laughs> like just grow some good weed, treat your workers right, you know, be a good citizen and like, we'll be good. We'll be fine. We'll all be that's, happy. Yeah. That's what I would, that's my advice. <laughs> that's my piece on workforce development. <laughs> awesome. We're, we're at uh, an hour right now. So we've been just crushing it. Wow. Like, I guess like final thoughts tonight for, who wants to go first? I guess, and I guess that's it. Like, you know, any anything that we didn't bring well, up that I think you I'll want to talk out. about. Yeah, I'll close with just one more workforce development thing. Um, I recently, um, just about a year ago, joined the board at Northern Essex Community College, and I thought that was pretty cool of um, an educational institution to lean into cannabis and what we're doing in the community by inviting me. Um, to have a voice for college. And I'm really excited because we are working on some really cool cannabis programming that's going to be coming out of the college and some really educational um, um, experiences for students, um, but opportunities for also industry professionals to lean in and support in another way, because I think education is is just so key. Um, and so I just wanted to give a shout out to NECO, Northern Essex Community College, because um, they're up to really amazing things. Um, so if anyone watching is interested in getting involved with um, that program and with STEM um, in that program, uh, to please reach out. I was yeah. wondering if you were going to call it NECO. I mean, too. I, know, I, know NECO. <laughs> I was going to say I, NECO. Yeah, I, we all, I, I mean, my whole family went to NECO. But yeah, yeah, NECO's NECO. awesome, and um, they have some great um, programs in the works, and they're really leaning into um, staying on the pulse of this community. And they recognize that cannabis is like one of the fastest growing industries, and what an opportunity for them to impart like professional knowledge in real life skills that people want to go get jobs in. And there's so many opportunities, particularly for people um, with even a two-year degree to go all the way in the cannabis industry. Um, so I think, you know, you can come learn some really important skills um, and, and then really take it in a whole host of directions. There's so much opportunity, um, depending on what your interests are, to really tailor a unique um, career for yourself in the industry. Awesome to hear. Yeah. I love I love that we're all from Merrimack Valley. Like that just makes me so happy. <laughs> well, um, from Maine, I'm kind of a transplant, but oh, I am now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like I'm like borderline too, like where I grew up. But I, you know, all my friends were from Haverhill, so I mean. Yeah, well, mine too. I I, mean, up, I went yeah. to Methuen. I went to high school in Methuen. I hang out in Haverhill oh, all did. the time. Yeah, yeah. So, and I was also a wrestler, so all the Merrimack Valley schools. Those were like you know, who we yeah. always you went know against. I was a wrestler the toughest too? kids. All you the Merrimack Valley kids are the toughest wrestlers. I was a women wrestlers. wrestler. Do you know who? I was a women wrestler? And you were? Yeah. yeah. The Hyde School in Bath, Maine. Oh my God. I wrestled, wow. I wrestled 125 and 130 weight class, which was like. Those are tough weight classes. Those it are was like, really tough. <laughs> I, like, I got yeah. my ass handed to me, but I did get two pins against dudes that season. And I was pretty you, proud of myself. You beat guys. Two. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that happen in high school and it like, and it's, like so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, wow. You feel, I don't know. 
we were, that's we were amazing. going off. Yeah. No, keep, that's amazing. Also, no, it is amazing. I also played rugby in college. Oh my god, I love I it. Played, I played rugby baseball. girl. <laughs> I don't want to start talking about college rugby parties. Those are the. I didn't even play rugby because I couldn't. You know, I I we'd show up at the parties though. All my friends played rugby. The wild parties. I don't oh, know man. who's. Who oh, has no. the wilder parties, the guy rugby team or the female rugby team? Oh, definitely the female rugby team. I think so. I know so. I was afraid to go to their parties, actually. <laughs> but uh, we're off topic now. I love it. So Yeah, uh, my, like, my hippy-dippy like, closeout is going to be weak. <laughs> I want to say it now. <laughs> no, good. Um, we love, uh, well, oh, yeah. I, I would just close by giving people the advice that I love to give to anyone that I speak with who comes to me, asks for my advice. It's mine. It sounds offensive at first, but like it's, I think it is really meaningful, but it's mind the business that pays you, you know, that doesn't mean that you don't care about other things, but I mentioned that infighting and that like, you know, kind of just getting off track. Like if you have a goal, you stick to that and you, you do everything that you do. It, it, it moves you further along the path towards that goal. And that's what I mean by minding the business that pays you. If you're not getting paid to worry about this drama that has is not serving anybody, like just, you know, it's there, let it pass like a cloud, you know, in the sky. Um, I don't, I think we get too emotional and too wrapped up in stuff and we lose sight of what is important. Um, and like I said before, we only have this one life it's one world and it's our job to make the most of it. We should not be expecting anyone else to do that for us. Um, yeah, I, I, I want people to enjoy their time that they have. And, and I, this comes from someone who has been forced into a position unwillingly where they have to make sure that they enjoy all the time that they have. So it, it pains me to see people suffering unnecessarily, um, getting bogged down in things. I think uh, rallying together and, and using our collective voices to benefit the greater good is where we have all seen the most success. It's how we got cannabis legalized. It's how we got a decrim. It's how we got medical. You know, That's how we move these things forward. It's how we got that law changed most recently that we then got to celebrate the next day at STEM. Um, it just, it feels like that's something I want to communicate to people. You know, like, let's look at the greater good and try to work together towards that wherever possible. We're not we don't have to be friends. We don't have to even like each other, but right. we should be able to live in the same world and, and use each other as resources to move things forward for See, all I don't, of us. I don't think any of that's hippy dippy. Really? Good. Yeah. It's like common <laughs> sense to me. And it's missing. Like so many people yeah. miss like all of that all the time, yeah. even including me. Like we forget, we get caught up. Um, but it's, it's common sense. It's common sense. Yeah. Like I, that's, that's, that's what that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I love it, and I and and I, I won't disagree with Caroline at all on anything now because I'm afraid she's gonna pin me. <laughs> hey, I'm a my, wrestler. If I get move, pinned, I'm done. My brother. My will signature never, move was the pancake. The pancake. Oh, I know that one. Wow, uh, dude. Yeah, she, that's vicious. Actually, she got an arm whizzer in, and she whacks you in the face. Oh that's God. that's pretty vicious. That's. <laughs> Carolina, I'm coming over. I, but <laughs> now that I know you move, I, I'm gonna be okay because I'll be looking for the pin. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm not telling you my moves. Yeah, you definitely shouldn't. <laughs> I'm known for one move. What is it? <laughs> I'm gonna tell her. 
I was a double leg takedown guy. Yeah, yeah, like any takedown, you know, going for the legs. They call me Rope Man. <laughs> oh, Rope Lassos Man. man. He always takes them down. He... You know, uh, maybe the cannabis industry, like if we could have a wrestling match. Yeah, like, I think that I'm going to. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good <laughs> work idea. Workouts of aggression. I'm finding <laughs> out everyone I know lately is a wrestler. I would have never. And I never would have thought that Caroline would. My uh, husband recently threw out my high school wrestling jacket. I was so upset. And it I want to see the pictures now. We're going to look for that. Do you have I a have high school some. wrestling I, picture? I, I do. I have video. Um, I It said all killer, no filler on the back. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, my God. He threw it out? What? I know. Yeah, that's, that's not right. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that tomorrow. That's yeah. Adam. <laughs> No, <laughs> we don't. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have to talk to Adam about that one. Yeah. But I have the pictures, and I'll send them to you. I want to see them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're the jerks. Yeah, I'm into the high school, me. college wrestling. Yeah, I'm sorry, Kim. Go ahead. I was just gonna say my uh, Mike threw up my email address, but again, it's on the Cannabis Control Commission website. You know, if you want to talk to me about stuff, cannabis industry, or whatever. Um, hit me up and Caroline, I'm sure would love to hear about you or hear from you about um, working to create a better industry as far as uh, the uh, Green Goddess, similar and similar events go in the future. I don't want to yeah. speak for you, but I know Absolutely. you would. <laughs> yeah. Hit me up on our, um, our Instagram page. I check that, you know, on the regular. So um, would love to connect and collaborate um, and, Mike, just thanks so much for having us on. It's been really fun. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you, Kim Napoli. Thank you, Caroline. Uh, we're the Young Jerks. We'll check everyone next time. Thank everyone for listening, supporting all the comments. Uh, we love you. We'll see you next time. Young Jerks, Mike Crawford. Hi, it's Mike Crawford of the Young Jerks. If you like what you're hearing, Please consider subscribing on anchor.fm slash the young jerks with a monthly contribution. It helps us expand our audience and invest in the program. We also appreciate all the ratings and reviews on iTunes and the other podcast apps out there. Thank you so much for supporting the young jerks.